Church podcast. New City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, special guest Craig Alsup from Mana Worldwide is giving an update on the missions work happening in Nepal, along with sharing a message from Mark 9 on audacious faith. We hope you are blessed by the message today. All right. I, I did remember to turn my mic on, so that's a good start. Good morning, New City Church. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me uh, back here again today. I am, I'm always excited to come to Maine because it's not uh, as hot as Texas right now. Um, I don't know if you've been watching any weather across the states, but uh, man, I'm feeling so good up here. Uh, <laughs> we were outside last night for a little while at the races, which was crazy. Uh, I'm from the south. But I, I believe it or not, don't go to racetracks very often. Um, but it felt like Alabama in Maine, so I don't know what's happening there. But uh, but it's not 110 degrees every day, so I'm happy. So um, let's pray together, and then I want to jump in. I want to talk a little bit about faith and works, about having audacious faith that leads us to do audacious things um, today. So Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your goodness. Um, God, thank you for the grace that you've bestowed upon us um, as broken people, as, um, as people who are undeserving, uh, but God, you've done so much, you've done it all so that we didn't have to do um, anything at all but place our faith in Jesus. And God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you that, um, that you love us, uh, that you loved us enough to send your son to die for us, and that you've made a way so that we can be reconciled to you, so that our brokenness, our messed up lives don't impact uh, whether or not we're able uh, to find um, hope in you. God, we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church, uh, it's been a little while since I've been here, so I want to show you a picture of my family up there. Um, and uh, this is, this is uh, us, uh, my wife, Jennifer, my kiddos, uh, Sarah and Jude. Uh, Sarah's almost 12, and then Jude is nine years old, and I'm not going to tell you how old Jennifer is, because uh, I know better, but I'm just saying, she's a little bit older than me, whatever. Um, I get to gloat for like half a year every year because she turns whatever uh, earlier than I do. You know what I'm saying? And so, but she reminds me that I don't have much hair. So, um, so I've, you know, I've got that uh, going for me, I guess. But uh, you guys, there's ways to connect with me uh, up there. And like Pastor Joel said, come back there and talk to me if you want to uh, connect with what we're doing uh, throughout Asia, with what we're doing with Mana Worldwide. If you want to hear more than I'm able to share right here on the stage today, uh, come up and talk to me. I'd love to meet you. Um, one of my favorite things is connecting with people in churches all over the country, um, hearing your story, seeing what God's doing in your life, and sharing a little bit about what God's doing through uh, Man Worldwide and in our lives. Um, so I want to talk a little bit this morning about faith uh, and works, but I want to give you a little brief update on kind of who Mana is and what we do and stuff like that, because you may have slept since I was here last. Um, but uh, Mana Worldwide as an organization was founded in 2001. It was founded by a missionary to the Philippines who basically built a church there, started a church there, and then looked around him and saw needs. You guys see that in this community? You look around Bath and Brunswick and this whole area around you and you go, hey man, there are needs here, right? Um, and so this pastor, this missionary in the Philippines looked around and he saw needs and he, he did what Jesus did. He started to reach out to people and he started to serve people and he started to help kids that didn't have shoes and education and food to eat. And the next thing you know, God started a new thing. God started to bring kids and families to him and to bring kids and families into their church. And the church began to grow and people began to believe in Jesus. And that's what it's all about, right? But that led to something else that he didn't expect. You see, uh, he thought it was just about their little church and this little place, but what happens is uh, other missionaries start to pay attention when something's going really well for another missionary friend of theirs. And so missionaries started reaching out to Bruce and saying, hey, 
Help me. Can we start a project like that? Can we help our community in that way? And so Manor Worldwide was founded with this idea that if we go and we plant churches, yes, because we got to have a body to point people back towards. We got to have a place for people to come together and to worship together and to gather together. But then beyond that, how do we love people? And so they started to do this all around the world, different countries, where a missionary or a a national pastor sometimes would have a church or they'd plant a church and they'd start to feed some kids or they'd start an orphanage or a school or a medical clinic. And they started to see more and more people come to faith. And now here we are, like 22 years later, Mana Worldwide is in about 50 countries, about 250 different ongoing projects around the world. I always want to remind people that we don't do any sort of shot in the dark kind of projects. We don't do any sort of like, hey, we're going to go and help these people just like for right now and then boom, we're gone tomorrow. Uh, Because what we believe is that if we can dig in uh, to a place with the people and we can serve them and love them long term like Jesus did, then we'll see many of them come to faith, and that's what we see happening around the world. You guys are a part of that right here at New City Church. I don't know if you know that or how much you know about that, but when uh, churches partner with us uh, to support my family to get to do this work full-time, that helps helps the work. It helps me to be able to go and help and start new projects and travel all over the U.S. and build partnerships and lead mission teams and do all the things that we do. But then beyond that, you guys support an orphanage, Peace Child Home, in Nepal. And those kids are there partially because you give. Like those kids have a place to call home and have a people who love them. And most importantly, have a people that tell them about Jesus. And so church, you guys are a part of that and we should celebrate that. Like we should celebrate that, we, that God allows us to be a part of what he's doing around the world. And so this morning, um, I wanna talk a little bit about faith and works and I believe the two go hand in hand or they should. Uh, I, I feel like uh, far too often um, in the church, uh, especially in the United States, uh, but other places as well, uh, we see faith Growing and people's faith uh, growing and people um, placing their faith in Jesus as their savior, uh, but then people sometimes sit on the golden ticket. You know what I'm saying? Like people sometimes can place their faith in Jesus and then they think, I've got to know more, I've got to learn more, I've got to be better, I've got to, you know, it's like becomes this like behavioral intervention thing with ourselves where, yeah, Jesus should change us, Right? Like our righteousness should grow towards his righteousness, right? So like, that's okay, but I'm here to tell you that you don't have to be perfect to make an impact. You don't have to be perfect to go and love and serve people in this community. You don't have to be perfect to go and love and serve people around the world. I know because I'm not perfect. God has still called me out to do this work around the world. And some days I'm like, why? You know what I mean? Like, why me? But like, our faith should be our foundation for what we do. Our faith needs to be the starting point for our work. So I want to talk about audacious faith and works uh, today. Audacity is, uh, is described as a willingness to take bold risks. Um, in Ephesians 2.8, we read, uh, the Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God. And that's true. So don't get, don't get this twisted up. Don't think that somehow we can work our way to Jesus. We can work our way to God because we can't. We're like down here at the bottom of the trail trying to figure out which direction to go. And without Jesus, we don't have that direction But faith is what happens when God reaches down his hand of grace and we reach up a hand of faith prompted by the Holy Spirit to grasp his hand. God is reaching out for us. He sent his son to die for us and it's by faith that we are saved, by the grace of God. It's not by our works, but 
You read in the scripture, you read in this, in Ephesians, you read that it's by faith and not of our works and it's by the grace of God. But then you read in James where it says um, that our works are important, right? Like it says that we should do good works. And like, what is our faith without our works, right? It's like, show me your faith, right? I'll show you my works and you'll be able to see my faith through my works, right? So like faith is important. Faith is uh, the beginning step, but then to people around us, it's what we do and it's how we act and it's the way we speak is how they see our faith. And so Jesus encourages his followers to place their faith in him, but then to to walk, to move. Um, There's supposed to be an an audacity to both. We see these stories of audacious faith throughout the Bible. I mean, beginning, way back in the beginning of time, we see these incredible pictures of faith. We see like Abraham, and we see his faith to believe in a God that not everybody around him believes in and to listen to God And when God says to move from one place to another, Abraham is willing to pick up and move. And his wife, Sarah, maybe maybe that's even a greater step of faith. His wife, Sarah, goes like, okay, (laughs) right? Like she picks up and goes as well to this place that they don't know, right? To this place that they don't know what's gonna happen. They pick up and they move. And then we hear about Noah, Noah's maybe my, my favorite in, in this because it's like Noah hears from God that you're supposed to build an ark. And Noah's like, what's an ark? <laughs> and God's like, build an ark. And he's like, what's an ark? And he's like, it's going to rain and there's going to be this flood. And Noah's like, what's rain? Right? Like, what's a flood? Like, what? How am I supposed to build this? And God says, okay, it's supposed to be these dimensions and this big and this way to build it and all these things. And he gives him all these instructions. And Noah spends all these years building something that nobody thought he needed. And he does it because of faith. He does it because he has audacious faith. A faith that says, I'm willing to take a bold risk and step out among people who think I'm absolutely crazy to do something different. We see the apostle, uh, we see Paul. We see uh, Saul becoming Paul, right? We see a man who has it all figured out. He's like got it all going for him. He's got the right education, the right upbringing, the right status in the community. People will follow him. And then he says, it's all dung. Like, All of that, everything I've got going for me is nothing but for Jesus. It's faith. We see the disciples, uh, these uh, men that are called out to follow Jesus and to learn from Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to go and do lots of things with Jesus and for people. We see this group of disciples that drop their fishing nets Right, that drop what they used to be and become something else. We see them following a man that is a is a carpenter. Like we see them following Jesus and placing their faith in Jesus. But he he's a carpenter who uh, belongs like to a place that everybody says nothing good can come out of. Audacious faith, a willingness to take a bold risk and follow. Jesus. And then we see the disciples are willing to follow him even to their death. I mean, audacious faith led them to audacious work as they went around and told people and healed the sick and did all these incredible things that we read about in the New Testament, even to the point of death. You know, that's interesting to me because uh, I heard a pastor say one time that uh, people, will, uh, people will lie. I don't know if you know that, right? Like, sometimes you, people will tell a lie, like your kids tell lies, right? Sometimes maybe you fib a little, right? Um, 
all of us have probably done that at some point in our lives, right? We'll lie. But the disciples, if it was all a lie, like if Jesus uh, being God in the flesh, going to the death on a bloody Roman cross and rising again three days later, if, if all that was a lie, man, those guys rode that lie out, didn't they? Like people will tell a lie, but they won't tell a lie that kills them. And so, like, sometimes when I get to speak at churches and when I get to speak to people in Nepal and different places around the world, uh, like, people will challenge and they'll say, like, how do you know it's true? Like, how do you know Jesus is the Son of God? How do you know the resurrection is true? How do you know that the Bible is true? Because there's all these other religious texts out there. And I got to say, People that walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, saw the things he did, followed him in their faith and in their works, told everybody around them uh, that he was resurrected from the dead, that he was God, and then writing that out all the way to their deaths as a result of it, that's, that's pretty good proof for me. I mean, that's a pretty good proof text as far as like, People don't, people don't do that, right? People don't ride out their lie to the death. I mean, at some point along the way, one of them would have gone, no, nah, I was just kidding about that. You know what I mean? Like one of them would have walked away from that. But they didn't. So I want to jump in. I want to read uh, some in Mark 9 uh, today. And um, it begins in Mark 9, 2. And I'm going to read pretty far into it, I think down to 24. Um, but uh, let's, read, let's read the Bible together. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. So Jesus takes his three guys. Jesus takes like his bros up the mountain, right? He takes maybe you know, the ones that were closest to him. And he says, hey, guys, let's go up the mountain together. They go up the high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured. That means he was changed completely before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. This is odd, right? Pay attention. It's like a thing that grabs your attention in the Bible. Like, it's a thing that grabbed their attention. It's a thing that we should pay attention to when God does something uh, that's odd, that's different, when we're reading our Bibles and something goes, whoa. It's like, what, what is he trying to tell you here? It says, clothes become radiant intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses and they were talking to Jesus. And Peter <laughs> said to Jesus, I love Peter. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Don't miss it. This heavenly moment happens, right? This huge moment. Jesus is completely changed in front of them. He's like, boom, glowing white. Moses, Elijah show up like these heroes from their past show up and they start to talk with Jesus. And Peter, being human, says, Jesus, it's good that we're here. <laughs> guys, if you're not reading the Bible and noticing some humor, um, you just need to start over. Because God, is, like there's so much humor written into the story of God and of Jesus throughout the Bible. There's so many things that you just go, whoa, that's awesome. Like Peter is like, man, this is a great moment. And all these, you know, past heroes are here and Jesus is here and God is doing this incredible. It's a good thing I'm here, right? I don't know about you, but can we be self-centered sometimes? Um, and Peter rambles on and he says, like, let us make three tents, one for you and one for and one for Elijah, and then here's, here's, the, here's, here's the great the kicker here. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. You guys thinking you'd be there with Peter in that moment? Like, I don't know what to say, but I got to say something. It's good that we're here, Jesus. <laughs> it's awesome. I just, man, that's hilarious. That's like, man, 
I'm Peter in this story, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm the one that would say the stupid thing. I just know that I am. Um, But, okay, so he did not know what to say, for they were terrified, but he had to say something. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice comes out of the cloud, a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anything, uh, anyone with them but Jesus only. Pay attention, church. There's this moment. Jesus is transfigured. These other, uh, you know, like Old Testament heroes show up on the scene. They're talking, and then God reminds them and reminds us to focus on Jesus. Like, listen to him. Pay attention because he's different than them, because he's more than them. These guys needed to know that who they were following was truly the Son of God. We need to know that who we're following, we need to place our audacious faith on Jesus because we need to know that we know that we know that he is truly the Son of God. And we need to listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. The Bible says, And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. But they're coming down the mountain, and they're having a conversation, and they're asking him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And so they're having this conversation, right, about what they've just seen and about what God means about different things, and they're coming down the mountain, and they're walking together, and they get to the bottom of the mountain, and there's a different scene. Don't miss it, though, that... And this time when God says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. This is only the second time that we, that we have recorded in the Bible where God speaks directly about Jesus audibly to people. This is only the second time it's recorded. And in Matthew three seventeen, it says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then he says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. So I'm pleased with him, now listen to what he tells you to do. I think that's important for our faith, church. I think that when we read the Bible, sometimes we can read it as just a bunch of collection of stories, but we're meant to listen to him. We're meant to do something with that. So they get to the bottom of the mountain and they come upon this scene. It says, and when, uh, the Bible says, and when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. So Jesus had left most of the disciples at the bottom. They'd gone to the top. This thing happens. They come back down, and they come upon the scene, and <clears throat> there's a great crowd there, and the scribes are arguing with them. Church, I don't know if you feel this. I don't know if you... Uh, if you see this happening, but often in our churches and in our religious community, there's a whole lot of arguing and a whole lot of discontent. There's a whole lot of, well, you worship this way and we worship that way and we don't like this way and you don't like that way, and, right? So like we can be re- those religious people like the scribes who are arguing among ourselves and among the crowd. But when Jesus comes on the scene, we should take note. Like, we should pay attention to what Jesus says and what Jesus does. And we should just follow Jesus. Religious people can argue a lot, but don't let it distract us. We shouldn't let it distract us from who we're supposed to listen to. Immediately, all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Don't miss it. This man is willing to step forward with his son. In the middle of all the arguments, in the middle of all the drama, in the middle of all the hoopla, he looks at Jesus and he says, this is somebody I need to pay attention to. Like, this is somebody I need to focus on. Focus on Jesus, church. 
He steps forward and he presents his son and he says, I brought my son and the spirit makes him mute and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And so Jesus says, and he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus reminds us that in moments of struggle, in moments of difficulty, in moments of great mix-up and mess-up and brokenness and pain and sickness and illness and injury, bring him to me. Jesus says, bring him to me. Church, that's who we worship. That's who we place our audacious faith in that pushes us towards our audacious works is a God who says, bring them to me. Let me tell you, church, when a child is in the grip of physical and spiritual poverty, it impacts the child, it impacts the family, it impacts the entire community. So Jesus says, bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it's often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you, if, listen to what, listen to what the dad says. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us, church. Us. Help us. It's not help him. It's not just help my son because, listen, when a child is struggling, a family is struggling, when a family is struggling, a community is struggling. I don't know if you see that around here, church, but when we get the opportunity to love on a child or when we get the opportunity to love on a family in need, it impacts everybody around us. May we be like Jesus and say, bring them to us. Like that's what you're doing when you partner with Mana Worldwide and partner with our family and when you partner with Peace Child Home there in Nepal, you're saying, bring them to us and we'll bring them to Jesus. May we do that in our community. May we do that around the world, wherever we are. And Jesus said to him, verse 23, and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible. For one who believes, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. When we help a child, when we help a family, when we help that person in our community or on the other side of the planet who desperately needs Jesus, when we help them to know who Jesus is, to place an audacious, a a, a risky, a, a, a bold faith in Jesus, then that begins to ripple out and impacts the community because a bold faith begins a bold work. You guys are doing a bold work here in Maine. In Texas, we were talking about last night with Pastor Joel. Um, Joel and I were talking about, um, in Texas, we have like a different set of problems in the church. We have the problem that everybody believes that they're saved, even if they've never placed their faith fully in Jesus. Everybody expects everybody around them to know Jesus, so people think, oh, there's no work to do here for me. It's absolutely not true. And then up here, it's more like most people don't go to church, right? Most people are not connected with a local body. Most people have not placed their faith in Jesus yet. And so sometimes that can seem daunting to us, can it? Like sometimes we can look around our community and think, man, what can I do? But church, we need to stop thinking so much about what we can do and we need to think about what Jesus can do. Because if we place our faith in him and then we step out into bold works of faith for him, then a community can be impacted. The world can be impacted. I love it. Jesus says, bring him to me, church. 
So number one, if you're, if you're taking notes or if you're uh, following along and want to say, okay, like what are the takeaways here? Number one is as a Christian, we should be taking bold risks. We should be living audaciously for Christ. Listen, church, if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling stifled in your faith, if you're feeling stagnant, maybe it's that your feet have become still. I, um, I talk to people all the time about missions, as you might imagine, and about going and telling people about Jesus. And often I hear, I just don't know that I'm ready yet. Like, I don't know that I know enough. Like, I'm a new Christian and maybe I don't know how to share my faith in such a like glitzy, glamorous way. I hear that all the time from people that I invite on mission trips and they're like, I don't know what I have to give because I'm whatever. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to teach. I don't even, I'm not even comfortable with praying out loud. I'm not sure what is in this for me or what I can offer to this. And people say, well, let me pray about it. And um, so way back in the beginning of all of this crazy mission stuff for me, 2015, I met with a man named Bruce O'Neill that founded Mana Worldwide. And uh, during that meeting, he challenged me. And he said, I think that God may be calling you to be a missionary full time. I think that God may be calling you and your family to step out in faith and to do something bold. And I said I'd pray about it. And if I'm honest, church, I meant I'll pray about it, but it's probably not going to happen. I'll pray about it, but I don't have the right stuff. I don't have the right education. I don't have the right upbringing. I haven't, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I've messed up too much, right? So, like, if I'm honest, I'll pray about it meant, yeah. Probably not. And I'm afraid that that's what I get often from people. When they say I'll pray about it, I wonder how much time they actually spend in prayer about it. Were they like me? Were they just saying that to pacify the moment, to step out of that uncomfortable situation, to move on to their next whatever meal, to move on to lunch? Maybe. And so I want to challenge you, church, to understand that prayer is something that we should definitely do. Before we move, before we uh, step out in big faith to, to do something crazy like go on a mission trip around the world, to like tell our neighbor about Jesus, yeah, we should pray about that, but church, <laughs> pray and move. You know what I'm saying? Like take a time of prayer, but then understand that at some point that has to move our feet we need audacious works to back up our audacious faith, church. And if we actually have faith in Jesus, then that should move our feet eventually. You see, the Bible tells us that Jesus places good works in front of us that we are meant to step into. Science tells us that an object in motion stays in motion. And I hear people all the time tell me, what if I take the wrong step? Like, what if this is not the thing? What if God doesn't want me to do that thing? God can open doors just as well as he can close doors, church. And an object in motion stays in motion. If you're driving your car down the road and you begin to steer just a little to the left, you know where you'll end up way down the road? Somewhere way further off course than the straight, right? God has the ability to steer you and direct you and move you in whatever way he wants to. Our job is to have audacious faith in him, to know who he is and trust who he is, to pray and then to go, to move. There's a... Uh, there's a game called Capture the Flag that I used to play when I was a Boy Scout back in the day. And um, 
the object of the game, there's a, you know, a red flag and a blue flag maybe, and there's a group over here and a group over there, and we were supposed to do like some orienteering stuff where we had to get to different checkpoints, and whoever got through all their checkpoints the fastest could get to the other flag, and, right? And so like, that was the, that was the idea of the game. But what would inevitably happen is that uh, the group of uh, kids on the red team would decide nobody's going to get our flag. So we're going to stay here and we're going to guard it. Right? And then what inevitably happens is that the blue team, somebody goes, you know what? Nobody's going to get our flag. We're going to stay here and we're going to guard it. And then the game ends because... (laughs) Nobody's moving. May our faith not be that way, church. May our faith not be something that we place our faith in Jesus and we take our golden ticket and we place it in our pocket and we sit on it in our chairs in church and we wait until we know more, until we're a better person, until we've got the right education and upbringing and the right status and the right all the stuff that Paul said was all dung anyway. Church, may it be that we place our faith in Jesus and then we step forward and work to serve him, to love people. There's a, um, I'm gonna pull it up. There's an Elizabeth Elliot um, quote. Well, it's actually from a Saxon poem, but Elizabeth Elliot uh, used to quote it often. Uh, if you don't know who Elizabeth Elliot uh, is, uh, she and her husband, Jim Elliot, uh, were missionaries to a tribe in South America. And they went down there to this tribe, and this tribe had never heard of Jesus, and they had never seen airplanes, and they had never like seen any Western things. And then they show up, and they begin to teach this tribe. And before long, Jim and the other group of men that were with them were all killed by the members of this tribe. And Elizabeth Elliot uh, didn't do what so many of us would do. Like, she didn't stop. Like, she didn't just go back home and say, oh, man, this tragedy happened. I can never do anything again. It wasn't meant to be. She continued to work and serve and love these people and eventually began to see Jesus take root in a community that had never heard of Jesus before because of her willingness to place her audacious faith in Jesus and do audacious works for him. And she often said, do the next thing. It's from a Saxon poem. It says, and and I'll read it to you. Um, It says, from an old English parsonage down by the sea, there came in the twilight a message to me. Its quaint Saxon legend, deeply engraven, hath, it seems to me, teaching from heaven. And on through the doors, the quiet words ring like a low inspiration, do the next thing. Many a questioning, many a fear, many a doubt hath its quieting here. Moment by moment, let down from heaven, time, opportunity, and guidance are given. Fear not tomorrow's child of the king. Trust them with Jesus. Do the next thing. Do it immediately. Do it with prayer. Do it reliantly casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stayed on omnipotence, safe neath his wing. Leave all results. Do the next thing. Isn't that good? Looking for Jesus ever serener, working or suffering be thy demeanor. In his dear presence, the rest of his calm, the light of his countenance be thy psalm. Strong in his faithfulness, praise and sing. Then as he beckons thee, do the next thing. Church, may that be our story. May that be our story that we have audacious faith that we place in Jesus so that when Jesus places things in front of us that he aims for us to do, that we focus on him and we step forward to do the next thing. Number two, sometimes we all get distracted from our purpose. Remember to focus on Jesus. Church, if you've placed... If you've placed your faith in Jesus here today or watching online, listen, I want to tell you there's a reason that you're still here. There's a reason he hasn't called you home. And it's because you have something to do. You have a work to do for God. 
and the name of Jesus among the people that he's placed in your life and maybe even people on the other side of the planet. Don't get distracted. Focus on Jesus. Like when Peter was really distracted at the beginning of, a, uh, the beginning of this, like well, maybe we should build some tents. God audibly speaks and says, this is my son. Listen to him. And then number three, sometimes our willingness to be audacious for Christ will mean that we will get to see the miracle. Right? Like sometimes our willingness to step forward in faith to do the next thing means, church, we're going to get to see God do things that we can not even imagine or ask or think in our lives and through us. But sadly, if we don't step forward in faith, if we don't place our faith in Jesus and then step forward into audacious works, church, we won't. We'll miss it. That doesn't mean God won't do it. He just won't do it through us. I spent 30-something years of my life seeing God work in other people's lives and wondering, what's God got for me? And now I get to go and serve these kids in Peace Child Home and the different projects that we work in and orphanages and schools and nutrition centers and medical clinics and digging water wells and doing all these things. I get to sit by kids that I'm going to show you a couple pictures of here in a minute, and I get to see them worship and hear their singing and their praises for Jesus. Yeah. God can use even me. God can use even you. I get to see the miracle. I get to see these kids one by one come to faith in Jesus. They are born into Hindu families and they hear about the millions and millions and all the different gods and goddesses. And if you are poor, you pray to Lakshmi so that Lakshmi will hopefully give you money. And if you're this, you pray to that. And if you're in, uh, sick, you pray to one God. And if you're healthy, you pray to another God. And if you need a new job, you pray to another God. And they spend their lives searching for who and what has meaning. And I get to see these kids realize that Jesus has meaning. That Jesus is who they should place their faith in. And I get to see them talk about loving people around them and serving people around them. I get to see them playing music now in various churches throughout Nepal. And uh, one of our boys a few years ago started his own orphanage. He's like 25 years old. Like... You get to see the miracle. You get to see God do something with people that should have never, I mean, technically should have never known about him. And then they do. And we have to remind ourselves along the way, church, that when we get to see the miracle, um, when we get to see God do something incredible, um, I have to constantly remind myself, and you'll need to, you, you probably have to constantly remind yourself to touch not the glory because it's all him. It's all God. Like, whatever good I accomplish or whatever, uh, whatever kid I get to pray with, whatever uh, moment I get to impact somebody's life or do something, uh, may it not be about me, may it be about him. He's who does it. I'm just stepping forward in faith. Let me, uh, let me challenge you to something here. Let's make sure everybody's awake. Um, everybody raise your right hand as high as you can. Everybody there? Rule followers, most of you. Right? I see you if you're not a rule follower. That's good. I like it. Come on a mission trip. Um, now raise it a little bit higher. Every one of you cheated at first. You can put your hands down. I said, raise your right hand as high as you possibly can, and every one of you raised it part of the way there. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? May we not get to the end of our lives, church, and realize that we could have lived with more audacity for Jesus. May we not get to the end of our time here on this planet and realize that we could have done just a little more. Right? Because our tendency is to hold back. Our tendency is to say, ah, this is good enough. May that not be our story, church. Let me show you a few pictures. Pastor Joel told me to speak like forever. Um, so I'm gonna end before forever. Um, these are the kids at Peace Child Home that you guys support. I know, it's like far away from you guys so you can't see all their faces. These are the kids. This is our mission team that I was just there with um, earlier uh, this month. And let me tell you, these are some incredible kids. These are some kids who God has taken under his wing and he's gonna do incredible things through. And you guys are a part of that story if you're a part of New City Church. The next picture. Okay, see the little girl on the left with the, with the, with the flower? <laughs> Amisha. This kid is absolutely incredible. Um, I want you to go there one day. Um, some of you already are planning to uh, in a couple months. But listen, I want to challenge you to go there at some point in the near future. Don't say you'll pray about it for too long. But I want you to go there and I want you to sit beside this little girl during worship. <laughs> it is beautiful. It is incredible that God has allowed me to get to be a part of her life, to get to be a part of his life, a small part of their lives. The blessing is all mine. <laughs> Church, I want, I want you to be there. I want you to go there. I want you to meet them. Um, this next picture, you see uh, my daughter Sarah and her best friend. Uh, I call her Sunny Dip Dip. Uh, it's, it's, our, it's our nickname for her, but her name is Sandipa. And uh, it's a lot easier to say Sunny Dip Dip. Um, but uh, these, are, these are our kids. These are the people that God has allowed us to speak into their lives, to speak hope and life into these kids who the world says has nothing and no one, but they've got Jesus. And church, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what God does through them. Sandipa is, um, she is outgoing. She is a servant. Um, she's learning to translate. Uh, a, a year ago, she barely knew English at all, and now she's like, can translate and talk and like has full conversations, half in English and half in Nepali with my daughter. Um, like, we get to go and we get to serve these kids. Like, people ask me, what do we do on mission trips? One of the most important things we do is we go to Sandipa and we say, Sandipa, God loves you. And he wants to do more through you than anybody you've ever imagined, uh, anybody you've ever met can even imagine. Like he wants to do so much more through you and in your life than you can even ask or think more than you can imagine. Next picture. Um, so this is Isa on the, on the left side up here. We took this picture uh, last summer when I was there, um, and then I had to redo it uh, this year. Um, but my goal is to have a whole string of those pictures one day as I see Isa grow up and learn to love him and serve him and follow him. Um, you know, I wish I could adopt all these kids, uh, but I can't. But... Church, I want to tell you that you're a part, like you're a part of that, and I want to thank you for that. Um, 
Church, I want to tell you that when you give through your church to support Mana Worldwide or to support missions or just to support the work of the church in this community, listen, you are a part of the miracle. Like you're a part of what God is doing in this place and all around the world. You're effectively saying, bring them to me and I'll bring them to Jesus. May we say that. May we say that in our community and wherever we go around the world. Church, the work of Mana Worldwide is almost completely funded uh, by churches who decide that they are willing to give up some of their resources so that those in need can have the resources that they need to have a roof over their heads and shoes on their feet and clothes on their back and education that's going to help to lift them out of desperate poverty. The 50 countries that we work in around the world are some of the most impoverished places physically in the world. It also so happens that they're some of the most spiritually impoverished places in the world or people place their faith in Buddha or place their faith in Shiva or place their faith in Allah or place their faith in their own good. And we get to go and tell them that you can't be good enough. The fact of the matter is you don't have to get to the top of the mountain to reach God. You don't have to do all the right things and pray all the right ways and bow in the right direction and, 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 and give all the sacrifices. You don't have to do all the things because Jesus already did it all. When we could do nothing, Jesus did everything so that we could become sons and daughters of the King. Church, because we're family, because I've been here a few times now, I feel like we're family. Um, let me give you a hard truth. I said a moment ago that the uh, funds, uh, the funding of Mana Worldwide uh, that comes primarily from churches, um, those churches happen to be made up of people <laughs> because we are the church, Right? As believers in Jesus, we've become a part of a body and some of us are a toe and some of us are a head and I'm not going to start pointing fingers at who I think is each part, but uh, I'm pretty sure I'm like a, I'm the bottom side of the toe. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but we're all a part of this body that's meant to give and serve and go and pray and live audaciously because Jesus gives us the ability and permission to do so. And since we're family, I want to tell you that this money that comes to Mana Worldwide to support Peace Child Home and all the other 250 almost different projects around the world, the good news is, church, all of that money has been raised already. Go God. The bad news is it's still with us. The bad news is it's still with us. I go around the country and speak in churches and challenge people to give to their church so that their church can make an impact in their community and around the world. And I know that God has the resources out there with us. And the problem is, so much of it is still with us. Now, I'm not telling you, sell everything you have, give all your money away, you know, leave, live on the streets, right? Um, I'm saying that in my life, in my family, we need to give more. And I believe that's probably true for all of us. That we need to give more. Um, not because it buys us a ticket, but because it matters to kids like Sandipa. And because God can take that and he can multiply it and he can use it to reach and teach and do so many more things than we could ever imagine. So church, I wanna challenge you, um, if, you are, uh, if you're a member of New City, if you're a part of this church, uh, I wanna challenge you um, that if you're not giving um, sacrificially, 
I want to challenge you to begin to give to your church. Um, if you are a visitor, obviously today, um, you know, maybe that's for you. Maybe stepping into faith is for you today. Maybe stepping into giving, maybe stepping into becoming a member of this church, a part of this church body so that you can be built up in a fellowship of believers so you can see God on the move. But listen, if you're not giving to your church, give to your church, please. Before you give to missions, before you give additionally for, for me or for Manna or for kids at Peace Child Home, give to your church so that this community gets impacted in the way that it should by a loving, serving, giving, praying church. And then, as God calls you and directs you and asks of you, take a step to give to missions, to give to support Peace Child, to begin to make a greater impact. Um, like, I don't want this from you. I want this for you. And I believe that's the same for God. God doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you. Because as we give, like we get to give. As we give, we get to be a part of what God's doing. And so I want to challenge you with that today. I want to tell you also, um, there's, uh, as, I, as I begin to wrap up, there's um, mission trips that you can get on. So there's the trip uh, in October. It's October 9th through the 21st, I believe. Yeah. Um, I know it's super late notice, but if you've got a passport in your back pocket uh, and you've got a, a few thousand dollars, you can go. Like you can go two months from now. Um, it's going to be an incredible trip. You guys, um, I, I guarantee you. Uh, but uh, if that is way too fast, just know that next year, uh, two or three times, I'll be going to Nepal. I'll also be going to Fiji. I'll be going to uh, several other countries uh, next year. And so listen, I want to challenge you that if you feel the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart to say yes to God on that front, come and talk to me. And I'd love to tell you more about what a trip looks like and what we do and how you could be a part uh, because um, remember, we all have something to give, right? And it's just meant for us to step out. And um, so if that's you, come talk to me. Um, so I wanna pray and I wanna, um, I wanna challenge you. If you're here today or, or if you're watching online and, and you uh, felt led to come to church today for some reason, if you felt uh, God tugging at your heart to get you here or to, or to help you uh, get ready to watch online, uh, I wanna tell you that the Holy Spirit moves and convicts and directs and draws us to himself so that we can place our faith, so that he can spur us to place our faith in Jesus. And listen, if that's you today, if you're not a believer, I wanna tell you that maybe today's your day. I wanna tell you that there's a God who loves you so much that when you could do nothing, when you were broken, when I was broken, when I was separated from God by the sin and brokenness of this world, Jesus did everything. God sent his only son, God with man's skin on, to live here as a perfect sacrifice for you and me. He gave himself on a bloody Roman cross that he didn't deserve so that you and I could come to faith and place our faith in him so that we can come to know the one true God, so that we could reach up that hand of faith as God reaches down that hand of grace to us. And so maybe that's you, and maybe you just need to say right there in your seat, God, I'm broken. <laughs> I'm not whole. Something's missing. God, help me to know you. I place my faith in your son. I believe that Jesus died and rose again for my sin, and I so desperately need you. And then listen, church, if you're a person who has already placed your faith in Jesus here today, maybe you need to pray and just ask God what he'd have you do next. If you've already placed your audacious, bold faith in Jesus, maybe there's something that he has for you next, church. So let's pray together. Father, thank you 
this morning. God, thank you for these people. God, thank you for each and every person that's here in this room today and watching online. God, may, may we not miss the moment. May we not miss what you've placed us here for. May we not miss the truth of the gospel. That Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died a death he didn't deserve because he sacrificed himself so that you and I, so that we um, as people can become members of the family of God by placing our faith in him. And God, may you use us to do your will among the nations, among this community. God, we thank you for the good that you're doing around the world and the good that you will do, the good that you allow us to be a part of and a partner in. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the New City Church podcast. For more content from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at www.bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next episode.